Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. DIY Money. Money, money. Hey, it's been a long time since we've read any of our reviews, and we've got a couple of good ones. I really like this one. I'm a regular guy who has a good-paying job. I'm personally very apprehensive about financial people because the only thing I think about is sales and fees. I started listening to you guys during my afternoon walks. Not a runner. It's been like two months now, and you have helped me understand finances so much because you level with the masses. The show has been incredibly helpful to me, so much so I opened my first investment account. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. I can't tell who that came from. I wish I could. It just says, made finances easy to understand. We don't always get great reviews. I was looking for one that said they basically just didn't like listening to a couple of know-it-alls. I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. I thought it was humorous. I don't know it all. I Who's Yeah, I, I viewed it as a compliment. I was like, wow, yeah. they think we know it all? Because I definitely don't know it all. Hey, we do need those reviews. If you don't mind, we don't have that cool little thing that pops up. I wish I knew how to do that. You know when you open an app and like it immediately is like, oh, do you want to give us a review? Five stars, boom. How do we do that? Is there, is there a way to do that? App. No, you know when you use any app, yeah. it immediately pops up and says... Yeah, but they're not listening to our app. Yeah, I guess you're right. They're listening to the podcast oh, yeah. app, which does not do that for anybody. You can't do that! Well, please give us a review. That would be helpful. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you can go on there and you can uh, you know, give us a five-star review. and it, hel- it does help. I know Daniel says it in the beginning and the end, but it does help others to find the show. And we're getting new listeners every day, which is kind of fun. That's why we went to three episodes. And that's why we brought in a sponsor. Admittedly, we hadn't sponsored the show in nearly 400 episodes because we're not interested in hawking $6,000 mattresses on a show that talks about personal finance. But we did bring in one sponsor that we're pretty, uh, you know, we're pretty partial to, and that is Jewel Financial, the firm that we actually work for. So Jewel Financial is a comprehensive uh, wealth management personal planning, retirement planning firm located here in central Kentucky, but working with folks all over the United States. Literally, almost on a daily basis, we have Zoom calls with people all over the U.S. It's fantastic. It was funny. Yesterday, we had a Zoom call with a guy, and I was like, hey, where are you Zooming in from? Which is kind of my new thing, which sounds weird, but yep. like, where are you Zooming in from? He's like, work. And I'm like, no, like, where? He's like, Lexington. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're right down the street. <laughs> so, anyways, I just thought it was interesting because usually they're, you know, Washington or Florida or Alaska, Atlanta or California, whatever, yeah, it's all a, over the place. So, if you're if you're out there uh, and you are a listener of the show and you think, you know, I might need a second opinion, uh, hit us up. Go on uh, onto our website, Jewel Financial. That's J O U L E the unit of measurement of energy, hence the powerful planning aspect. You can go on to Jewel Financial and you can uh, directly, I think, schedule a Zoom right from there, I believe. I think you can actually literally just jump on our calendar and and create a Zoom link and boom. Technology is impressive. And it's weird because, you know, how many emails, unsolicited emails, people show up here as far as like trying to get a time with us to sell us something. Mm-hmm. 
If they were really creative, boy, I hope we don't have a lot of salespeople listening to this. That would not taking be my good. calendar off of there. Yeah, I'm not, I'm done. I'm done right there. <laughs> Anyways, you can schedule a meeting with us through JewelFinancial.com and uh, learn more about our services and see if we might be a fit for you. What else is shaking, Daniel? What's going on in your world? Nothing. How's life? It's good. Uh, it's spring here. The trees are bloom. Well, they bloomed, and then we got a cold snap. We it's Kentucky. And then they unbloomed. I mean, it's thirty in the morning. Sixty-five at two o'clock. Blooming. It's absurd. Yeah, it's I need great. summer. People I need say warmth. that about everywhere, but having lived in Chicago and then in Nevada and then visited family in Seattle and Texas and various places, I can say that Kentucky feels like it goes. It's wild, crazy over the course of a day. What's the best climate you've ever lived in? Wow, that's tough. It's kind of like an investment recommendation. Best for what? Mm. Um, so Vegas was perfect for uh, outdoor sports year round mm-hmm. because it was temperate. It never rained. You never had to really plan for whether it was just hot or not hot. But it was never like I mean, it, I guess it get cold. It was a dry night. heat. But yeah, you could you could pretty much do outdoors hiking, cycling, yep. whatever, all the time except uh, briefly during like one week of monsoon season. Uh, but preferentially, I actually liked um, the Northwest climate. That kind of like misty mm. green all the time, kind of gray. But then in the summer, it's so beautiful up there. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I enjoyed it. Like Seattle weather. Oh, yeah, it's great. A cup of Rainy, coffee tastes great. Gross. Yeah, but then when you do in the rain, running in the, running in the rain. You love running in the rain. No, I hate it. I do not like running in the rain. I thought you used to love running. So in the rain. I, it's a weird thing. If I'm starting a run, first of all, in the warmth, not when it's 25 or 30. Well, I guess that would be snow. Not when it's 40. <laughs> Sure. Uh, when I'm starting a run and it's nice and warm, and then miraculously, and this only maybe happens two or three times a year, halfway or beyond the the run, we start to rain. I like that. Oh, okay. But no, like you don't like to get dressed and go out in the rain. No, I I cancel regularly. I'm oh, like, okay. oh, it's raining. I'm gonna melt. See, I don't mind the rain. I would Ugh. prefer the rain over that 85 degree weather that you love to run in. I like hot oh, weather. Mm. It chews me up. I love it. Mm. I just feel it feels like a better workout, like dripping with sweat, hot. Oh, yes. Yeah. 6 a.m. and already the boy ain't right. All right. Uh, we got a question from LJ. What do you got? DIY. Hello, DIY Money Crew. LJ from Minnesota here. First of all, I love the podcast and always look forward to a new episode dropping. So keep up the good work. I have a question about Series EE Savings Bonds and the best plan of action for handling them. I was gifted a Series EE Savings Bond from a family member for each of my birthdays for the first 21 years of my life. The current value as of today of all the bonds is about $3,000, and most of the bonds have an interest rate that is less than 2%, although there are a handful of them that have a rate around 4 Honestly, I had forgotten I even held these bonds, but now for each of the next 21 years I will have one reach maturity so they have come front of mind for me again. I have both my fast cash and emergency fund fully funded, so there is no immediate need for the money, and it would be easy to let each bond reach maturity before cashing them in. But my other thought was cashing them all in right now and investing the money in a retirement account or my brokerage account. Feels like it could be an opportunity to capitalize on a down market. What do you think the best plan of action is? Is there another option I'm not thinking about? I would appreciate your thoughts. Thanks, guys. Uh, so I'm going to go a little unique angle here. Yeah. Number one, LJ, allocation. What will be your investment allocation? 
I'm thinking about this a lot lately, personally and for clients, as we go through market volatility. I believe that, and I need to do more work on this, I need to write about this, I need to really delve into this further. I believe most people don't truly understand or know their risk tolerance until it's tested. And unfortunately, when it's tested, that's not a good time to make changes. So I want you to really consider as you build your nest egg, what is your investment allocation or what will it be right now and into the future? For example, if you are perfectly fine with market volatility, it doesn't consume you, you don't wake up thinking, boy, you need to be buying peanut butter and spam because the world is going to end. You're worried about, what is it called, stacking sots, satoshis, buying Bitcoin because Uh. you know you're convinced the dollar is going to zero. You know, if you're not in that camp and you're in the camp of saying, yeah, I'm a long-term investor, I'm going to buy stocks. And, you know, yes, markets are down. They could go down further. I'm okay with that. I'd like to be a full investor and I don't need necessarily any bonds. So maybe you're 100%, maybe you're 90-10, maybe you're 80-20, whatever it is. The reason I believe you start there is that will help you determine then what needs to go into the market. Let's say that you have that inner dialogue and you determine, look, I've got my fast cash. I've got my emergency fund. I'm young. I'm working. I I don't need this money. I'm willing to ride the ups and downs and I'm okay with that, knowing that there could be downs for a long time. It could be flat for a long time, et cetera. Well, then you're a 100% investor, meaning you don't need any fixed income or bonds. So yeah, I would, I'd personally cash all those things out, put them in the market. I'd diversify in uh you know, a couple of low-cost index funds and not worry about it and let it go. And in a year, you might think, boy, that was a dumb decision. These things are down. My my little EE bonds would have paid me 2 or 4%, but you can't think like that. You got to have a 20-year time horizon. And in 20 years, I think that would, uh, at least history tells us, that would be a very good decision. Now, if you come back to a 70-30, 80-20, 60-40, et cetera, and this, I'm going to be clear, it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with temperament. It has to do with not making a poor decision uh, when you're in the midst of it, knowing your tolerance. And again, it's hard if you've not gone through it. I know I can't run a 100-miler. I can do a 50K. I might be able to do a 50-miler. I can't do a 100-miler. And if I sign up for a 100-miler in two months, I'm setting myself up for failure. That's not good. I know that about myself. Now, I have tested myself. I've gone through some, some trials and long, long runs, so I know that. But it would be foolish for me to set, just say, oh, I'm a 100-miler and I can do it. That would be foolish. I would set myself up for failure. It's similar to this. When you determine your allocation, then you can take action. But the, the root of it is, if we don't you know, do the allocation, again, my, my general synopsis there is, you don't need the EE bonds, in my opinion. You need the investments. That's my summary. What say you, Daniel? It's good. So once you kind of know that allocation, it's important to know what you're invested in. Uh, I'm sure some of our listeners are going, what is a Series E bond? Uh, We've talked about uh, Series I bonds on this show previously, in fact, quite a few times. Uh, I bonds are inflation-adjusted bonds. They have an inflation update every six months, in addition to a small fixed interest rate uh, that used to be zero, and now, as of the last update, 0.4%, I believe. Uh, however, keep in mind, if you are one of those people that um, did your research and then bought I-bonds, this next inflation adjustment uh, is going to be something to keep an eye on. That's going to happen May 1st. Uh, that is going to come in. My estimations are going to be somewhere between 28 and 3.5% is going to be the forward inflation rate, down from about 6 points. 
oh, 6.8, 6.4% roughly where we're at right now. Uh, so that's going to be quite a haircut because inflation has moderated. So keep that in mind. Series EE bonds pay a fixed interest rate. There is no inflation adjustment. They're typically uh, fixed for 20 years. Now, there's a couple different series in the past, but the most recent ones are fixed for 20 years, but then you can keep them for an additional 10, and they keep accruing interest. The one unique feature about Series EE bonds is they're guaranteed to double uh, in 20 years. So regardless of the interest rate that you receive, they're guaranteed to double. Doubling your money sounds great, but it is 20 years, which means that the effective interest rate is uh, 3.6%, I believe, is the uh, the rate that would get you to double in 20 years. Uh, so keeping in mind that if if you have any right now that say like 2.1 or 2.5% interest rate, if you held them all the way to 20 years, you would actually get more than that because they'll double on that 20th year anniversary. Now, when you're looking at your allocation, I think what you just have to do is go, can this money be better served somewhere else? Uh, savings accounts now are yielding between 35 and 4%. So you've got that. You've got one-year treasuries that are still yielding over 4%. Uh, and longer dated treasuries that are yielding between 3.5 and 4.5%. Uh, so you've got some options out there that actually beat this on on interest rate. Uh, so that's something to consider. And then obviously, uh, like we talked about in our previous episode, if you want to switch from savings to investing and invest in something that's going to grow over time because it has cash flow and cash flow growth, then looking at stocks, etc. So uh, I'm not personally invested in Series E bonds here at all because the interest rate is not all that attractive to me compared to the other options out there. So take that and do with it what you may. I like that. All that is good info. I do think the only additional thing I would say is if you determine, uh, once you determine your allocation and then you determine you are an investor and then you look at the long-term and bigger picture, you may consider, if you can, utilizing a Roth uh, for that. So pulling that money out and instead of uh, going into just a normal brokerage account, if you have the ability to make a uh, contribution to a Roth, uh, I think that might make sense. If this is money that's earmarked for something, again, you know our five-year rule, if this is earmarked for some large purchase within the next five years, then not. But it doesn't sound like it is because you didn't even remember it was really there So until they started coming due. So again, I will say also, in, in, and it's great, I'm happy you got the 3000 and this is no disrespect to parents or whomever who gifted that to you, but could you imagine if that was the S&P 500? Can you imagine if all those years, whomever it was that bought you Series EE bonds had bought you Microsoft or you know Tesla or something along those lines? This is why I'm so adamant about junior investing. And why folks, in my opinion, parents and so forth, can set up custodial accounts and give birthday gifts of the same, you know, $50. It used to be you had to have an X number of dollars to buy a stock, and it was very expensive. You had to do 100 shares and all the rest of this nonsense. Now you don't. Now you can buy fractional share ownership. You can do so at little to no cost at all. Uh, and ultimately... Um, you know, set up for the future for a saver and so forth. They open that account one day and wow, could potentially be a huge, huge difference. Anyways, great question, LJ. We'll send you a $25 Amazon gift card. All he did was sent us an audio file through his phone and emailed it to podcast at DIYmoney.org. That's podcast at DIYmoney.org. Check out the blog, DIYmoney.org. It's uh, revitalized. There's some good content on there. Uh, we're going to really look to expand that and uh, really try to uh, do a lot more 
on the web uh, with our site. So check out DIYMoney.org. And always uh, remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest and do so for a very long time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.